Thanks for listening to the Faith Radio podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. I'm Carmen LaBurge. I hope you enjoy. Happy Thanksgiving. And thanks for listening to this special Best of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge on Faith Radio. Again, happy Thanksgiving, and thank you for listening to this Best of Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. I'm her producer, Paul Perot, and with us being such an important holiday, we're looking back over the last couple of months to bring you some of our favorite conversations. All these conversations are found on the Mornings with Carmen show page at MyFaithRadio.com, or you can also listen on the newly updated Faith Radio app. Now, if you don't have the app, it's available for free at your Google Play or Apple App Store. That way, you can listen to the live stream of Carmen's show or listen later to the podcast. Actually, a couple of weeks ago, a listener texted and said that she uh, liked listening to us, but she was listening to one of our AM stations. And thanks to the shorter daylight hours of winter, she had trouble listening to us on her AM station when it was at low power early in the morning. And she lived out a range of our FM translator in her main city. So Carmen asked her, uh, do you have the app? And she did. She never thought of using it while listening at home. And so now, while she gets ready every day, she's listening to Mornings with Carmen. The updated app also allows you to listen and share the podcasts of our Faith Radio original shows like Mornings with Carmen right from your device. Again, download the free Faith Radio app. Well, thanks again for listening this morning. Coming up this hour, a lot of people are grumbling about COVID-19 this year. Then again, there's just a lot to grumble about. But in spite of the reasons to grumble, God calls us to rejoice and to be grateful, to be thankful. If that seems like a big ask, well, later this hour, we'll hear a conversation from earlier this month with Pastor Dustin Crow, the author of The Grumbler's Guide to Giving Thanks. And yes, we'll have copies to give away. First, though, it is Thanksgiving, after all, one of our patriotic holidays here in America. So let's talk about our founding documents. Well, you know about the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, but what about the Bible? There's a new museum coming to Philadelphia next year that's called the Faith and Liberty Discovery Center. It'll highlight the Bible's influence not just on America's founding, but how it was influential in guiding her through her many trials and how it was appropriated and, uh, yes, sometimes misappropriated through the years. Carmen talked with Alan Crippen of the Faith and Liberty Discovery Center. That discussion, that's coming up next here on Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Crippen. He is the Chief of Exhibits, Programs, and Public Engagement for the Faith and Liberty Discovery Center, opening soon in Philadelphia. Alan, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you, Carmen. It's a delight to be with you this morning. So I would like to start um, with this question. When when you hear people refer to the founding documents of the United States of America, what's a founding document that most people leave off the list? 
<laughs> this is a great question. Uh, obviously, you know, most people think of uh, the Declaration of Independence, maybe first, uh, the Constitution of the United States. Um, if they're really sophisticated, they might mention the Articles of Confederation, which uh, functioned as our Constitution before the Constitution of 1787. And also think about various colonial charters and constitutions, et cetera. But um, the common omission is the Bible itself. You know, John Adams has this, uh, you know, very interesting uh, statement uh, where he says that the Constitution, and he's referring to the 1787 Constitution, was made for a moral and religious people, and that it's wholly inadequate for the government of any other. So, you know, he's generally talking about um, morals and religion, uh, morals and religious people. Uh, obviously, at the time, he's referring to Christianity. Uh, one could argue, you know, Christianity and its and its Jewish roots, the Jewish Jewish religion, that this is um, essentially a, a moral, ethical, cultural foundation for the well-working of the Constitution of the United States. And so, our uh, argument is that uh, you know the, the the book, right? We used to call it the Good Book, the book that communicates the content of, of, of those two faith traditions, the Jewish faith and the Christian faith, is the Bible. The Bible historically has been a culturally formative of American manners and mores and values and, and public virtues, etc. And so in some ways, it's appropriate to think about the Bible not only as a sacred book, you know, with a sacred history and a story of redemption, but but also as a civilizational text, as a text that has been incredibly formative of American ideals and institutions, as well as, you know, various institutions in the world. So when we talk about ideals and we talk about institutions, I would say that I'm going to observe that there are competing visions of liberty in terms of an ideal, and we are seeing institutions in the United States of America being fundamentally undermined today. And part of that is one vision of liberty being advanced against another. Can you speak into that? Certainly. Uh, and, I, and I think, you know, this is the point of the Faith and Liberty Discovery Center to really help Americans uh, understand our you know, civilizational conception of liberty Liberty can be a very unstable thing. <laughs> and uh, I think a lot of people uh, today think of, of liberty as, um, as an intrinsic good, right? It, it's all about liberty, the liberty to do whatever you want to do as long as it doesn't hurt anybody. Now, that's not an ideal of the founders. That might be John Stuart Mill, a famous um, 19th century libertarian philosopher, but that's not the kind of liberty that the founders, by and large, were, were talking about. Liberty, in their view, was not an intrinsic good. It was an instrumental good. There was, liberty was for a purpose, right? It was, um, uh, it was a context for achieving a, a good and, and just society. Liberty, I think it's also important to remember that at the time of the American Revolution, and shortly thereafter, there was another revolution about liberty happening in the world, and that was the French Revolution. Both of these revolutions, the American and the French, were predicated upon 
liberty, but both advocated different conceptions of liberty so that the American Revolution ended up with a rather stable order. I mean, granted, there are, um, there are problems at the founding and there, there are social issues and injustices that uh, were not completely dealt with at the founding. I, I think of you know, slavery and women's rights and these other issues that are important and that um, were and are uh, later being dealt with. But we think of the French Revolution, that revolution based on liberty, equality, and fraternity ended up as a complete bloodbath. Uh, you know, we know these horrific stories of the guillotine and your listeners have, I'm sure, read A Tale of Two Cities and, and Les Mis. And, you know, this is, this is the context for the French Revolution. It went on for decades. It ended up in a world war. Uh, it left 7 million people dead. Uh, even skirmishes of that world war were fought fought here, the War of 1812, which is sort of a side action of a World War II, of a, of a World War, the French Revolution uh, fought overseas. So liberty, <laughs> it can lead to some really deadly things. And a number of scholars, I mean, I think of Oz Guinness, you know, makes a, a salient point that what's perhaps going on in America today is this sort of competing visions for liberty. Liberty, as the founders conceived of it, largely was, was an ordered liberty. It was a liberty toward an intrinsic good, that intrinsic good being justice. So liberty was instrumental to get us to justice. Now, liberty, it needs, it needs guidance. It needs a, a direction. And that's, I think, where faith comes in. Faith, we would argue at the Faith and Liberty Discovery Center, faith guides liberty toward justice. It's it's its moral compass. It, uh, it's the guardrails. It, um, it moves liberty in the direction of achieving a, a just society uh, for the common good. You know, that, that would be our argument. I am talking with Alan Crippen. We are talking about the Faith and Liberty Discovery Center. You can check it out at faithandliberty.org. And we're going to continue this conversation in just a moment. Returning now to my conversation with Alan Crippen. He is the Chief of Exhibits, Programs, and Public Engagement for the Faith and Liberty Discovery Center in Philadelphia. You can find it at faithandliberty.org. First of all, Alan, thank you for this conversation. It's uh, it's a feast, and it's not just a feast for the mind. Like, you're giving us a conversation to really till in the soil of our hearts and our conversations with others. I mean, what guides the liberty conversation today? I'm thinking about conversations that I might have uh, over the holidays with people who are reading the same headlines that I might be reading and having a different view of what's happening on the streets of America in relationship to our our history, its founding, the holidays we celebrate, the names we call things, um, the institutions that we are either seeking to uphold and advance or tear down, the observation that faith guides liberty toward justice, that faith is the compass, is a is an important one. Maybe we could talk for a moment about the Faith and Liberty Center being a place where people are invited to wrestle with hard questions. It's not as if we don't have a complicated history, right? We do have a complicated history. People of faith use the scriptures to enslave other people in America. So talk about that in terms of what people experience at the Faith and Liberty Discovery Center in terms of the, the wrestling with history. 
Well, certainly, Carmen, I'm, I'm happy to do that. The, the Faith and Liberty Discovery Center is a $60 million attraction coming to Philadelphia in May of 2021, God willing, you know, COVID and all of that. It's being built, uh, actually it has been built now, it's, uh, the exhibits are being actually installed on Independence Mall in Philadelphia, the, the founding city of the American Republic. Um, when, you, when you walk out the front door of the Faith and Liberty Discovery Center, you will see uh, to your left, the Great Independence Hall, and then a, a little bit to the right, the Liberty Bell Pavilion. And then if you keep you know, spanning to the right, the, the, the National Constitution Center. So, so the Faith and Liberty Discovery Center occupies some great uh, real estate. Uh, what is its purpose? Its purpose is um, to guide the visitor on an exploration of discovery, discovery about uh, the American story and really how the Bible has influenced individuals in key historical and personal moments to advance the cause of liberty in the American story. And uh, as you've have pointed out that it's, it's been a, a, a rocky story. Uh, the Bible has been uh, appropriated and misappropriated, I think, for a lot of um, crazy things. By the way, misappropriation of the Bible is uh, it's a pretty old story. It, it dates at least back to Jesus' temptation in the wilderness when the devil himself quoted scripture to solicit Jesus to do acts of disobedience to God. So, you know, so the misuse of scripture is is a very old thing. Uh, but what what we want to do, and and what we do in a very uh, savvy and technologically sophisticated way, is to provide an immersive, engaging experience uh, through media, through engagement with uh, really interesting artifacts, to explore this uh, role this formative, culturally formative role of the Bible as it has, um, as it, as it has shaped the American story. Also want to um, just give you an opportunity to, to speak into the cultural moment that we find ourselves in right now. Um, so how, how does an average person, you know, out here in, uh, in America, how do we engage in the cultural conversation that's going on today about liberty, particularly when it's when people are expressing their autonomy in ways that is destructive to what I understand or appreciate about the founding of the nation? It's a great question. And in some ways, um, at the Faith and Liberty Discovery Center, we want to model just how to do that. So I would certainly, uh, as, as, we, as we sort of move out of this, God willing, uh, COVID <laughs> environment, encourage uh, all listeners to, to come to Philadelphia, right, to explore uh, this um, amazing city and its role in the American um, founding, but also, you know, to visit the Faith and Liberty Discovery Center, because what we're trying to do is to essentially leverage history as an apologetic, as a, as a, as a defense of uh, Holy Scripture. We're trying to sort of uh, open that part of the American narrative that I think is largely neglected, right? What, what, is, what has been the role of um, the Bible? The Bible is a book of at least two faith traditions, the, the Judaic tradition and the Christian tradition, in shaping American ideals and institutions, in 
fashioning um, American uh, mores and morals in um, even informing arguably our, our democratic uh, in, institutions. Uh, there is a there is a, a stream of thought called uh, political Hebraism, right? Which would which would which argues it's an interesting story. It argues that uh, Republican government, Republican form of government, can be rooted in the Old Testament Pentateuch in the in the Mosaic regime. And there's a whole lot of uh, Hebrew and later Christian thought on that. So there's there's much to sort of glean from the Bible as we uh, think about this uh, literary story. And we also think about these great social reform movements in the American story, um, whether that be, uh, you know, with the pilgrims and other colonists coming to um, experience religious freedom in the new world. So that's an Im important uh, narrative. Uh, the American Revolution itself was often cast as a, as a freedom conflict. You know, George III was pictured by the patriots as, as, a, as a new pharaoh <laughs> holding people in bondage in Egypt. And, and so uh, the Bible informed how, how people understood the, the American Revolution. And you fast forward, obviously, uh, as America wrestles with this hor horrific institution of slavery, the Bible becomes a great source of inspiration for enslaved peoples. Uh, for instance, Harriet Tubman is described as the Moses of her people. It was also a great inspiration for abolitionists uh, and emancipationists uh, to, to grapple with the issue. It's, it becomes the moral grammar for this great engine of reform with regard to slavery. And, and you just add all the social movements, um, the mm -hmm. women's suffrage down and in, uh, in into the 20th century civil rights uh, the Bible has inspired great and noble men and women to uh, make America a, a more just uh, society. So I guess it's a, it's a bit of a Frank Capra, it's a wonderful life exercise to imagine or try to imagine uh, what the American Republic would be like without this sacred text, without mm. this uh, civilizational text. Uh, it would become... Um, you know, essentially Pottersville for those listeners who've watched yeah, the film, exactly. right? And it's not a very nice place. That's so exactly I think, right. you know, if, if, if we can learn how to sort of tell these stories, and, and I think that's the key, engaging our neighbors, you know, there's not going to be any change, any social change if we're, if we're you know, barricaded, <laughs> barricaded rather be, behind the, these walls of, of separation. We've, we've got to engage our neighbors with reasonable discourse. Uh, we've got to listen, you know, to, to their objections. We've got to hear them and, and, and respond and, and, and hold up these, I think they're Christian ideals and, and Jewish ideals of, um, of civility, of respect, of listening, of, of talking, of communication. Yeah, genuinely, genuinely treating one another as the image bearers that we know uh, one another to be. Alan, you and I have to leave it right there. Alan Crippen, Chief of Exhibits, Programs, and Public Engagement for the Faith and Liberty Discovery Center. You can find it at faithandliberty.org until you can find it on Independence Mall in Philadelphia next May. Uh, Alan, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Carmen. It's been a delight. Likewise. We'll be right back.
This is the best of mornings with Carmen LaBurge on Faith Radio on this Thanksgiving Day. Hi, I'm Paul Perot, and if this Thanksgiving finds you less than thankful, stay with us for a conversation with Pastor Dustin Crow. He's the author of The Grumbler's Guide to Giving Thanks. And yes, we do have copies of the book to give away. And so if you want your name in the drawing, text the word book, just those four letters, B-O-O-K, to 877-933-2484. You'll get a uh, kickback response, click on the link and fill out the information to be eligible to win. That conversation with Dustin, just five minutes away. Thanks again for listening to this Best of Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Welcoming uh, Dustin Crow to Mornings with Carmen. He is one of the pastors at the Pennington Park Church just outside of Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, He has done a lot of writing, and we um, just love that he's with us here today to share the Grumbler's Guide to Giving Thanks, Reclaiming the Gifts of a Lost Spiritual Discipline. Dustin, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for having me on, Carmen. All right, people are cranky. That's just, I'm going to just lead off with people are cranky. I don't know if you've noticed this. Um, there's a lot of grumbling going on. Uh, grumbling is not something celebrated about people of faith in the Bible. And so talk with us about how we get past our grumbling to a better place. That must just be your world. I've not noticed anyone being cranky <laughs> at all this year. No one but, in Indiana is grumbling? Wow. Yeah, all right. We're all headed your way. Family. All of us. Yeah, no, it's definitely been true this year, especially. Um, but it's true all the time. We all struggle with complaining and murmuring and grumbling. And even my, myself, I didn't write this as an optimist who always turns lemons into lemonade. But I wrote this as someone who needed to study Thanksgiving for themselves, who needed to practice uh, giving God thanks to kind of push out the grumbling in my own heart. So that's where the journey for me was personal uh, when it started. I think that one of the questions that frequently arises is how does grumbling or murmuring or complaining differ from legitimate lament? Yeah, that's a good question. Actually, last night I was in my Bible reading Exodus 2, and it uses the word groaning, and it talks about when Israel's in slavery. It says their groaning comes up to God, and they cried. And so even in, in Exodus, you see this language of groaning or crying out to God. That seems to be a trusting posture. You're bringing your groans and your pains to God. Well, then when you get to the book of Numbers, you know, then they're talking a lot about grumbling. They don't like the place that God has them. They don't like the food, the manna they're eating. They don't like being in this hard wilderness. And so instead of bringing their groans to God, they start to grumble against him. So it's no longer a posture of, okay, God, this is hard. We don't like this, but we trust you. We want your help. Please deliver us. It's more of a God, how could you bring us here? Let's go back to Egypt. We'll even serve other gods. So it's really a heart posture Um, from groaning to grumbling. Yeah, I think that's a really important one, really important distinction to draw. Uh, I'm talking with Dustin Crow. We're talking about the book, The Grumbler's Guide to Giving Thanks, Reclaiming the Gifts of a Lost Spiritual Discipline. We have copies to give away. If this is an area of your life where you know you need some help, you would like to turn your grumbling into gratefulness, I've got copies to give away. Um, thanks to Moody Publishers. Um, so text the word book to 877-933-2484. Again, you just text the word book, nothing else, just the word book to 
2484. Let's get to the meat of it, to the heart of it. How do I, if I know I'm a grumbler, if I've heard myself murmur, um, if other people have called me out on it, how, how do I begin intentionally moving from grumbling to gratefulness? The best way to start is to actually give thanks. So like so many things in our life, we don't just stop. So, you know, if you want to stop lying, you have to actually tell the truth. And if so, if you notice grumbling or complaining in your heart, if you see irritation in your conversations, any of those symptoms, you know, you can't just will yourself to stop it. You have to actually replace it with different behaviors. That's the Bible talks about putting off and putting on. And so giving thanks is the easiest way to start doing that. And so start a list. This is the number one thing I tell people, whether it's a journal or the notes app or wherever you do it. Um, every day, start finding three to five things you can give God thanks for. And that can be simple blessings like you know, hot coffee on this cold morning. Or that can be things like God's steadfast love. So it can be big or small. But as you start to record those things, over time, it's a reminder, one, that God is taking care of you. Two, that God is still good. He is on the throne. He is providing for all your needs. And so then you start to, it's not that your troubles go away or the grumbling goes away completely, but your view of God gets bigger and bigger and your awareness of kind of his presence and his blessings of your life grows. And so then some of the the frustrations and the irritations do start to shrink. So just starting the practice of giving thanks is the number one way to push out the grumbling. Um, Dustin, I, um, I know that there are, you know, there are plenty of people listening who are thinking, hey, I think I'm pretty thankful. Um, in fact, I'm, you know, I'm Thanksgiving is the biggest holiday in our family next to Christmas and Easter and Mother's Day and Fourth of July. And right. I mean, we we start imagining that we're more thankful than we are. Um, what is the what are some of the tangible evidences in my life that I'm actually a person who is um grateful, demonstrating my gratefulness to God, not about things, but really about him. Like, I, I, I want us to get over making my, counting my blessings as if those are things, and instead getting to the place where we are just thankful for who God is and for the revelation of the knowledge of who he is and for the opportunity to enter into his presence and walk with him. And the, uh, so do you see that? I mean, I know you see the difference. Can you help us walk into the difference between grateful for things and grateful for God? Yeah, it's such a good thing to, to talk about. And I think part of the confusion is, and I've even done this in teaching in the church where we separate the language of praise from thanksgiving. And so sometimes the church has said, well, praise is what you do to God for who he is. You praise him. And thanks is what you do for God's gifts. But in the Bible, that those two are always related. So thanksgiving, and Psalm 107 is a great example, um, it says, give thanks to God for he is good and for his steadfast love endures forever. And so thanksgiving is something that we can do for what God does, those things you mentioned, but more often than not, it's for who God is, which can be connected to things. And so one of the biggest things, and this is really why I wrote the book, because there are other books on Thanksgiving, but I felt like they were just general. Like you said, it's just simply counting blessings, which is a good start, but they never move from stuff to someone. And so what was so helpful for me was moving from, okay, God provided a gift. Um, he has, um, someone sent us a blessing. We were able to pay for a car bill that was going to be a struggle. And so that's provision. Well, that helps me see that God is a God who is always looking out for his children, that he cares for us. He loves for us. 
He provides for us. He is faithful. And so it moves you from just seeing, okay, here's the blessing in my life, or maybe it's not even a clear blessing. Maybe it's God is sustaining me through a season of trial. And for 2020, it has been really hard for a lot of people. And whether it's fear, anxiety, relational challenges, you see that God was good in the midst of all that, that he has sustained you and he's brought you through. And so when you notice who God is and how he's at work, you can then thank him. So not just thank him for stuff, but thank him for what the stuff tells us about him. And that's where the gift isn't a rival. It's not taking attention away from God, but it's actually a, a revelation of God. It shows us better who he is. And then when we reflect it, right, when we become people who give thanks in a way that is active and activated by giving, like, right, as a conduit of, of the good and perfect gifts that come from the Father above, as we become condu- conduits of that, other people then see, like, right, it's Thanksgiving is something that is actually tangibly shared, not only that I am thankful for God and to God, but that the way that I then live in response is uh, it reveals to others the goodness and the greatness uh, and the provision of God. For sure. Hebrews thirteen fifteen talks about, you know, the one sacrifice, and there it's referring to the Thanksgiving offering. The Thanksgiving offering we have today is generosity to the people, so our good deeds, um, and our words of Thanksgiving. And I do think that can be a witness. You, you mentioned how grouchy and cranky the world has been. And unfortunately, that's been true of the church so often in recent months. And I think that is a bad witness because it relays the idea that we don't have hope, that God isn't good, that God isn't taking care of us. But when we are giving thanks, it, it does show that we do trust him, that we have reasons for hope, that despite the trials and the suffering, that God is still good, he's still in control, and our hope and our joy is found in him. And so I think it's a key part of our witness um, that we are still hopeful people, even when we don't have necessarily the, you know, the happy circumstances all the time. All right. Dustin Crow and I are going to continue this conversation in just a moment. The book is The Grumbler's Guide to Giving Thanks, Reclaiming the Gifts of a Lost Spiritual Discipline. We do have copies to give away. If you are interested in entering the drawing, text the word book to 877-933-2484. We're going to be right back with the Gratitude Quiz. I am talking with Dustin Crow. We're talking about his new book, The Grumbler's Guide to Giving Thanks, Reclaiming the Gifts of a Lost Spiritual Discipline. We're going to talk about that part here next. But if you would like to enter the drawing for a copy, uh, text the word book to 877-933-2484. Dustin, um, gratitude is the feeling. Thanksgiving is the verb. It is the thing we do. Um, You have a way for us to kind of evaluate our gratitude. Talk about the gratitude quiz and the gratitude challenge. Yeah, the beginning of the book is a gratitude quiz, and it's just, I think it's 15 simple questions to help help you better see, you know, is my normal response gratitude or is it grumbling? Like you said, we tend to give ourselves the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, yeah I'm a thankful person, or I'm at least a pretty contented person. And so this is meant to reveal, well, is that true? No one is perfect, and it's not meant to make you feel guilty. But as you work through the questions, hopefully it helps you diagnose, these are the areas where I'm prone to to murmur and complain. For me, it's kind of like if you ever check your budget. Like I think I'm a great, I do great on spending during the month. But then when I get there and I actually add up what I did, 
it's like, oh, I thought I was spending $40 on eating out and I spent 200. So mm-hmm. when you do the quiz, it helps you. See I spent $40 maybe, every time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Over yeah. 10 times it adds up. Um, so it just helps us see, okay, this is the reality of where I am. Again, not to beat you down, but to say there is room for growth um, and there's room to lean into God teaching us. So that's the, mm-hmm. the gratitude quiz at the beginning of the book. And then at the end, it's the appendix. It's called the gratitude challenge. And really, I encourage people to do it throughout um, the book. But it's something I started doing in November, especially about three or four years ago. And so it has 30 scripture passages, one for each day of the month. And the goal is to each day read some verses that are connected to gratitude, giving thanks, or even ingratitude. So what causes our grumbling? And then every day, you not only read from the Bible about Thanksgiving, but then you practice it. And so you, the challenge is to find five things each day you can give God thanks for, and then to pray it back to him. So it's very simple, but like so many things in our life, it's starting that habit and doing it over 30 days that really works it into our life. Kind of like you mentioned, moving from a day to a discipline. So we have a, I think you'll, you will like this. Um, because we live in the country, we feel like we're in the car a lot. I mean, it's even 45 minutes each way to church. So, um, we have come up with a number of uh, what I will call car games, even though they're not really games. But we we have adapted the ABC game to virtually everything under heaven. So, you know, when the kids were smaller, it was animals. and But anyway, we have now gotten to the place where we do the ABCs in relationship to a number of things, the attributes of God, the names of God. Um, or the names of Jesus, like, right, we could get more and more specific. We did Bible characters and those kinds of things, which thank God for Xerxes. But um, when um, when we do things like this, like, let's just adapt that as a practice, because you say five, five things, and people might say, gosh, it's really hard to come up with five things. It's not hard to come up with 25 things and have them each start with a different letter of the alphabet. Like, the reasons that we would give thanks to God really when you start counting them are are beyond uh, it's it, it's beyond enumerating yeah and we like you said we we struggle to think when well, five things every day on thanksgiving day we struggle to get past family and friends and church like what else is there to be thankful for but like you said as you do it um you do see well what are blessings in creation when you look around god has blessed us in many ways what are gifts of God and relationships? So family, friends, coworkers, people in the church. Um, what are ways God has provided in my past? What are promises of God I can cling to? So as you work through those different areas, you see, okay, every single day, there are things I can give thanks for, um, even things from the Bible. It doesn't have to be um, something in your own life each day. It can be that God is still merciful. And that is a thing to give thanks for every single day, that God is merciful and kind and loving. So as we do practice it, and I hope that the book is practical. Every chapter ends with some of these little practices, like you mentioned, the ABCs of Thanksgiving, just to help us see there are a lot of reasons to give thanks. And we tend to focus on the reasons we're unhappy. Mm. So part of this is where my mind is set or where my attention is trained. Uh, Maybe we could end there. How do I avert my attention from things that cause me to grumble and get myself as a discipline focused on things that lead me to Thanksgiving? That's partly where a challenge, and it doesn't have to be this challenge. It can be, like you said, ABCs of Thanksgiving. So it's some way that when you feel yourself, again, what are the 
alerts and symptoms in your life where you notice grumbling, and maybe it's not in your words, maybe it's just in your heart. I think we can usually sense that we're more frustrated either with people or with life, and we're more irritated. Well, that's a symptom of, of grumbling and discontentment. And when you notice that, it's kind of a cue to, well, now I need to go a different direction. I don't want to go down that path of being discontent, grumbling against God. I want to stir up thanksgiving and trust and hope in Him. And so I need to first go to His promises. So what are the things that even if it feels like there's no other blessing in life, I know is true? Well, if I'm in Christ, I know that He is for me. My sin is forgiven, that He is taking care of me today and will tomorrow, and my eternity is secure. Those are some basic promises you turn your mind to. And then you look around and you say, well, what do I have today? You know, I woke up, I have food, I have water, I have a computer, I have these different things that God has provided. And then you think, well, who are people in my life that uh, are friends or family, people that I love? So often when Paul, in his letters, when he talks about Thanksgiving, it's actually him giving thanks to God for people. He says, these people in my life or these churches are God's gifts, and I give God thanks for these churches. And so I think it's this habit that when we start to feel our hearts getting cranky and groaning, that then we turn and we say, no, God, you are good for these reasons, and you have provided in these ways, and I trust you. And sometimes that might even just be looking back. If you don't see anything today, well, look back. Where has he been faithful in the last year or three years or five years? Some of the chapters in the book, uh, Recognize, Reflect, Receive, look around and look up, thankfulness expressed. I mean, on and on and on. I do um, appreciate the uh, chapter eight, remembering, looking back to look forward. Um, It's an excellent uh, conversation, not only to have with yourself, but with others. It is the conversation about grumbling, but it's also the conversation about thanksgiving. It's the grumbler's guide to giving thanks, reclaiming the gifts of a lost spiritual discipline. Um, Dustin Crow, thank you so much for joining us today on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for having me on. And again, if you guys want to enter the drawing for the copies I have to give away, text the word BOOK to 877-933-2484. We'll be right back. Thanks again for listening to the special Best of Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio for this Thanksgiving Day. And again, I I hope in spite of this difficult COVID pandemic year, you are counting your blessings. I started off the show this morning with the passage from Habakkuk 3, starting at verse 17. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor the fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, and the flocks be cut off from the fold, and there's no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on the high places. May God strengthen you on this Thanksgiving and through the rest of 2020 and the rest of the pandemic. We're on the cusp of the Christmas season, or should I say, Advent season, the four weeks leading up to Christmas. We hope you join us starting on Tuesday, December 1st to read through the Gospel of Luke a chapter a day. Advent means coming. And as we celebrate his first coming, let's remember his life and what he did to save us to fuel our expectations of his second coming when he establishes that kingdom that will never end. Learn more about our special Gospel of Luke Advent reading at MyFaithRadio.com. I'm Paul Perot, and thanks again for listening. Have a blessed weekend.
I'm Carmen LaBurge. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Remember, it's your prayerful and faithful financial support that makes both the live show and the podcast available. Make your gift at MyFaithRadio.com.